This morning we're going to begin a new series of messages on the kingdom of God. I will not be here next week. Steve Rice of the KBC will be here. Uh, then the following week I'll be back and I'll be here, God willing, through the end of May. But I want you to understand that the next series is dealing with the kingdom of God. And to give you a little understanding of this, in the book of Matthew, Matthew says the kingdom of heaven. Where Mark and Luke will say kingdom of God. It's the same thing. Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience. It would not be appropriate to a Jewish audience to say the kingdom of God because they took the name God very seriously. Uh, They would not pronounce the word Yahweh. And so Matthew just changes the word. So I say that because we're going to read kingdom of heaven. In the sermon, I'm going to be saying kingdom of God, or I may be saying kingdom of heaven. It's the same thing. It's just he's writing to an audience that he doesn't want to offend, but give the the same information, okay? Look what he writes, Matthew, talking about what Jesus is teaching. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which man found and hid again. And from the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Pray with me. Father, we pray you open our minds and our hearts as we study your word. And help us, Father, seek the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was a child, maybe one of the best gifts I ever received was a metal detector. I couldn't wait to use it because I knew in our backyard was pirate treasure. Now, you have to understand something. Tuscaloosa is nowhere near an ocean, but... Possibly, I thought, maybe they, they came all this way to bury treasure in our backyard. And if it wasn't the pirates, well, I knew from Alabama history, Hernando de Soto came through our area and they, with his army and they had gold. Maybe they buried it in our yard, and I was sure I would find it. I didn't. I did find some coins and some cans in our neighborhood, but I did not find the buried treasure. And then I thought, well, I guess it's just wishful thinking that you could take a metal detector and go out to find treasure. But in 2009, Terry Herbert in England took a metal detector. He bought at a rummage sale, went to a farmer's field, and discovered more than $5 million in gold and silver objects dating back to the 7th century. It's called the Staffordshire Hoard. He found over a 1,000 objects, again, mainly gold and silver, dating back to 675 and 725 A.D. And according to the law of that land, he received all of it. The farmer received none of it. Those kind of stories excite us because there's something about buried treasure. There's something about finding treasure excites us, and we are fascinated by it. Maybe that's why so many stories are about buried treasure. Whether it's the Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson or or National Treasure from Disney, we want to be those people. We want to be Indiana Jones. We want to be Laura Croft. We want to be Nathan Drake or Victor Sullivan. We want to be Jack Sparrow. We want to find the treasure. There's something exciting about that. 
Our Lord Jesus is going to tell two stories of two treasure hunters. Two different men finding treasure in order to help us to understand the kingdom of God. Two men discovering treasures, each one different, finding it different. One man found it by accident. The other man planned to find it. But they both found it. We call these stories parables. The word parable literally means to place beside or to cast alongside. Parables were tools to to help you in your teaching. Now, Jesus did not invent the parable. Parables have been around a long time. Many of the rabbis told parables, but Jesus was the master in telling parables. Some of the parables would be long, some would be short, like these two. Jesus is telling us a story, two stories, to help us understand this principle. Now, again, he uses the phrase kingdom of heaven, but it means the kingdom of God. Please understand, when we are talking about the kingdom of God this morning, or we're talking about the kingdom of God in this series, we mean more than just going to heaven. That's part of it, but it's more than that. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is that moment right now. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is that concept of the rule of God in your life constantly. The kingdom of God describes that moment when you let God into your life and you surrender everything to him. That is finding the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is to find that moment of letting God rule and reign in your life. That is his kingdom. The kingdom of God describes that understanding, acknowledging the presence of God in every arena of your life. That's the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is more than just looking forward to one day being in heaven. No, the kingdom of God is understanding right here at this very moment, the kingdom of God is here. The past, the present, and the future is the kingdom of God. That's why we're to seek the kingdom of God now. It means to live in the kingdom of God. It means I will acknowledge God is active in my life at this very moment. That God is active all around me. To live in the kingdom of God, it means I have peace. No matter what happens in my world, God's kingdom still rules. So, people who worry or feel bad if something might not happen, they, they're not living in the kingdom of God at that moment. People who are concerned about worldly things, they're not living in the kingdom of God at that moment. People who are not seeking God's will, they're seeking maybe the world's pleasures, they're not seeking God's will at that moment. So in our stories, we find these parables showing more than just finding about becoming a Christian. The parables are designed to show us the Christians discovering the kingdom of God principle in their lives. So let's look at the stories. He gives to us two different men, two different ways. The first man is a surprise searcher. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Here's the first story. This man's working in a field. Now, he doesn't own the land. He's, he's not a landowner. He's just a worker. His job is just to make enough money to survive the day. His job is just to collect money in order to live. And while he is plowing, while he's working on the land, he, he finds something in the ground. And you can almost imagine him falling on the ground and, and beginning to crawl through the dirt. And he finds a ceramic container. And he brings it out and he, he tears the top off of it and looks inside. And there he sees the, the glint of glimmering gold. 
and he realized he has found a treasure. And by the way, this was common in Jesus' day. Where Palestine was, many kingdoms would come, especially if you had to go through, if you're going to Egypt, you had to go through Palestine. And what the armies would do, they would go and they would conquer the land. And when they would conquer the land, they would take everything. And so you didn't have many banks in those days. And so people would take their money and they would bury it in the ground. I remember when my grandfather moved out of his house, he walked out into his garden and dug up 100 silver dollars because he had been through the Depression. He said, I don't want to go through that again. He buried something in the ground. Well, that's what they did in Palestine. But here's the problem. Kingdoms would come and they would conquer and they would kill the families. They would burn the houses. Then you had earthquakes. And so the buried treasure is now scattered throughout the land. Even today, they're finding buried treasure over there. And this man, he finds the treasure. Notice what he does with it. He finds the treasure and he hid it again. And from the joy over, he goes and sells all that he has to buy the field. Why did he hide it? Why didn't he go to report it? Why didn't he keep it? Well, in the first century, the rabbis taught that if a man found scattered fruit or scattered money, it belongs to the field. And if you found it, it belongs to you if you own the field. So he was within his rights to go and buy the land according to the law. And everyone who heard the story would say, oh, this is a very good man. He's a righteous man. Because he could have taken the money. He could have told no one, just taken it. Or he could have taken the money, some of the money, used that money to buy the field. But he didn't. He was a very honest man. He buried it. He sold everything that he had in order to buy the field. And now the treasure belongs to him. Why? Jesus said because of joy. The treasure was worth more than everything he had. And he did it with joy. This man wasn't looking for treasure. He stumbled upon it. He didn't plant it. He didn't plot it. He just uncovered it. This is the story of someone finding God without realizing they were looking for God in the first place. Many people find God unexpectedly. Remember the woman at the well? She wasn't expecting to find God that day. She was just going to the well in the, in the heat of the day because of the shame of her life. And while she was there, she met Jesus. The shepherds in the fields, they weren't seeking the kingdom of God. They, they were not looking forward to angelic choir performance. No, they, they were there trying to keep warm. And they found God. The story of Nathaniel, he was not seeking Jesus, but he was surprised by him. He was simply reading, studying under the tree, and he found the Messiah. The jailer at Philippi, he wasn't looking for God. After that earthquake and the prisoners were escaped, he knew that he was going to die. He was about to kill himself. And then Paul, they said, hey, don't do it. He found God. Does it happen today? Yes. still happens. There are people who find God, and they're not even looking for God. I think of Doreen Vircher. Doreen Vircher had a lucrative lifestyle based on her New Age teaching. She owned a 50-acre ranch in Hawaii. She led conferences literally around the world in New Age. She stayed at the best hotels around the world. She was a rock star in New Age. She started out as a psychologist. She wrote a self-help book. She was doing a conference. One day, she went to the exhibit hall and saw some people with crystals, and she became fascinated, and so she began to believe in crystals and astrology and the New Age movement, and she became one of the leading proponents of the New Age. She wasn't looking for God. 
Then on January 2015, she was driving down the road, and just so happened she turned on the radio, just so happened it was Alistair Begg, it just so happened he was preaching 2 Timothy chapter 4 on what a false teacher was, and she realized, I need Jesus. And she turned her back on new age, she turned her back on her, her lucrative lifestyle to follow Jesus. Sometimes you're not looking, and you'll find God. I mean, what's your story? Were you surprised when you found God? Maybe you just happened to be in a hotel room, happened to open a Gideon Bible, read it, and come to Christ. Or it just so happened someone told you about God. Or maybe it just so happened you turned on the radio or, or, or a podcast and you heard about the gospel. You weren't expecting it, just like this man. This man was surprised and he had joy. He, he sold everything. You may be here today. You may be watching online. You're not even interested in the things of God. You're not interested in what I'm saying, but it's possible today you may hear for the very first time the treasure that you're not seeking, you're not searching for, but it's available to you. Then Jesus gives another person. Verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant selling fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Okay, the first man wasn't seeking a treasure. This man was. This is a pearl merchant. In, in Jesus' day, pearl merchants were rich and powerful men. They spent their lives looking for the perfect pearl. They were the connoisseurs of pearls. This is a merchant of grand scale. He bought a lot of pearls and, and then sold it out at retailers. But he was always looking for the perfect pearl. That was what they were doing. You see, in that day, the, the number one gem was not diamonds. It was pearls. If you had pearls, it showed that you were wealthy. In fact, one of the wives of Caligula had, uh, came to a party one time. They said about $36 million of pearls that she was wearing. And so this man is talking to a seller. And all of a sudden, this man takes out a, a pouch and and a pearl drops in his hands. And the pearl merchant sees this pearl of perfect proportion. And he wants it. It is the perfect pearl. The pearl that he has been seeking all of his life. He goes and he sells everything. And he has a lot. Remember, he's rich. But he wants to own that pearl. By the way, people still do that. 1917, New York lady by the name of Mary C. Plant sold her house for $1 million in order to buy a necklace of pearls. Still happens today. This pearl merchant knew that's the pearl. I've been seeking all my life. I've been searching all my life for that, and I want it. See, some people are searching. You may be searching today. You're searching for answers in your life. You're searching for something good. Maybe you're searching in your job. You have no satisfaction. You have no good feeling about your job. You may be, be a workaholic and trying to work it out, but nothing's happening. You may be searching in fitness. Maybe you think, well, if I just get fit enough, maybe if running or cycling or weightlifting, I do that, this emptiness will go away, but it won't. Maybe you're searching through positions or titles. You think, well, if I just get one more degree, one more promotion, but you do and nothing's happening. Something's missing. Why? Because there's only one thing that satisfies there are many searchers in the Bible. Anna and Simeon, two tired old searchers. 
been searching for the Messiah. Then one day the child came, and they held the child. They found him. In Acts, Ethiopian eunuch, he was searching for God. He went all the way to Jerusalem to find God. On the way back to Ethiopia, in the middle of the desert, as he is reading the Bible, he finds God. In Matthew, the wise men, they traveled to Jerusalem, taking what they knew that led them to Jerusalem. And they found Jesus. Does it happen today? Oh, yeah. I think of 1980, Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel was legal affairs editor of the Chicago Tribune. He faced a problem. His wife became a Christian. Lee Strobel was an avowed atheist. He hated Christians. His wife became a Christian. She wanted him to come to church. The worst thing you could ask him. And so he decided, I am going to disprove Christianity so that she'll give up this nonsense and give up this cult. That's what he called it. He was one of the best investigative reporters in Illinois. He won awards for this. And so he spent the next two years trying to disprove Christianity. He studied the Bible. He studied archaeology. He studied psychology. He did everything he could to disprove Christianity. Do you know what happened to him? Christmas in 1981, he gave his life to Christ, and today he's a preacher. Why? Because he was searching the truth, and if you search the truth, you will always find Jesus. Here are two men. I mean, they're completely different. One's blue collar, one's white collar. One has relatively little, one has quite a lot. One wasn't looking for a treasure, the other was obsessed with a treasure. One was poor and common, the other was rich and educated, and yet both of them found what made their day a treasure. With that in mind, as Jesus is teaching, he's given to us some lessons about the kingdom of God. Let me give them to you. Lesson number one, the kingdom of God brings great joy. The kingdom of God brings great joy. One theologian said it this way, joy is the surest sign of the presence of God. The emphasis of this story is finding God, and they found joy. There are no sad saints. If God is central to your life, you will have joy. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to have bad days. We have bad days, bad weeks, bad years. It doesn't mean you're not going to have grief. You're going to have grief. We live in a world of trials and tribulation. But joy is going to be your foundation. When you have Christ, when you have the kingdom of God, you have joy. Like the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 4, verse 7, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grains abound. Think of a story by Max Licato. Max Licato tells a story about this man. I'm going to read the story because if you read Max Licato, you know he has an incredible way with words. But Robert Reed, listen to the story. I have everything I need for joy, Robert Reed said. His hands are twisted and his feet are useless. He cannot bathe himself. He cannot feed himself. He cannot brush his teeth, comb his hair, or put on his underwear. Strips of Velcro hold his shirts together. His speech drags like a worn-out audio cassette. Robert has cerebral palsy. The disease keeps him from driving a car, riding a bike, and going for a walk. But it didn't keep him from graduating from high school or attending Abilene Christian University, from which he graduated with a degree in Latin. Having cerebral palsy didn't keep him from teaching at St. Louis Junior College or venturing overseas on five different mission trips. Robert's disease didn't prevent him from becoming a missionary in Portugal. He moved to Lisbon alone in 1972. He rented a hotel, began studying Portuguese. 
He found a restaurant owner who would feed him after the rush hour and a tutor who would instruct him in the language. Then he stationed himself daily in the park where he distributed brochures about Christ. Within six years, he led 70 people to the Lord, one of whom became his wife, Rosa. I heard Robert speak recently. I I watched other men carried him in his wheelchair to the platform. I watched them lay a Bible in his lap. I watched his stiff fingers open the pages. And I watched people in the audience wipe away tears of admiration from their faces. Robert could have asked for sympathy or pity, but he did the opposite. He held a bent hand up in the air and boasted, I have everything I need for joy. His shirts are held together by Velcro, but his life is held together by joy. That's the kingdom of God. Lesson number two. The kingdom of God is worth the price. It's worth the price. Both these men paid a great price for their treasure. And both men would agree it was worth it. Now, I want you to think about this. Is $500 expensive? And you would say, well, wait a minute. It depends on what you're talking about. If I said, how about $500 for a screwdriver? You know I'm working for the government. But what if I say, I give you $500, if you give me $500, I'll give you a brand new Lamborghini. I don't care if you have the $500 or not, you will find $500 that day. You see, something is expensive, it depends on what you're talking about. It depends on what it is. The kingdom of God will cost you everything, but is it expensive? Not a bit. You're, you're going to give up nothing in order to gain everything. It's not expensive at all. The kingdom of God is worth the price. He asked for us to give everything to him, and it's worth it. Third, the kingdom of God means a sacrifice to give it, get, to get it. The kingdom of God means giving a sacrifice to get it. Both these men had to give a sacrifice to get the kingdom of God, get the treasure. You think about this. As Jesus said, if you gain the whole world and lose your soul, have you really won? I mean, if you live in a mansion, you have this great position, have worldly power, but you spend eternity in hell, what have you gained? They sold everything. They made a sacrifice. I mean, look at the story. They sold everything. That's what both of them did. They surrendered all. They held nothing back. They sacrificed all. They made the sacrifice, and through that, they secured it all. Jesus was a sacrifice for you to have the kingdom of God. And we are to sacrifice to him by giving up everything to follow him. It's a sacrifice. But it's worth it. Because Jesus' treasure will never fail you. It will never go away. In South Africa, January 17th, 1934, an impoverished diamond prospector named Jacobus Jonker, discouraged by his bad luck because he had been searching for diamonds and never could find them, decided to stay home because it was cloudy that day, and he sent his son, Gert, to see what he could find. Later in the day, Gert was driving down the road at great speed, jumped out of the vehicle, ran over to Jacobus, and, and had something in his hand. It looked like an egg-sized stone. Jacobus knew exactly what it was. It was a diamond. It was a 726-carat diamond, the largest diamond he had ever seen, one of the largest diamonds in the world. 
That diamond he sold for $5 million in 1934. He found a treasure. It's called the Jonker Diamond. He found a treasure he'd been searching for forever. It made him rich. Most people stop the story there. Let me tell you the, the rest of the story. When Jonker died, he died broke. He took the $5 million from the treasure and wasted it. At the end of life, he had nothing. He found a treasure, but it didn't last. The kingdom of God is a treasure that will always last. It will last for eternity. Will you give your life to God today to inherit the kingdom of God by saying, Lord, I give you everything. I admit that I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. I believe that Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago. He was buried on the third day he arose. And I confess, I agree with you, God. I give you everything. I'm holding nothing back. I'm not giving you 99%. I'm giving you 100% of my life. You sacrifice everything for the kingdom of God, that treasure. If you're watching online and you'd like to give your life to Christ, if you would text the word today at 270-398-5005, and a minister will give you a call. Again, that's the word today, 270-398-5005. If you're here this morning and you would like to give your life to Christ, or maybe there's a decision you need to make, maybe you're saved and you realize you're not living the kingdom of God. Maybe you would need to make a decision for that, either publicly or privately. Maybe you're feeling called in the ministry or missions, whatever it may be. Seek out that treasure, and you'll find it. Be standing by your heads. Father in heaven, it's almost impossible for us to really comprehend what the kingdom of God is. Because, Father, we are blinded by the world. Father, we are surrounded by hate and injustice. We're surrounded, Father, by greed and pride. That, Father, to hear your word, to say there's a treasure that will last forever, a treasure that will bring us joy no matter what we're going through. Father, it's almost impossible for us to believe. But, Father, we know it's true. And, Father, we seek the kingdom of God today. For some, Father, by giving their life to Christ in a very personal way, they've never done that. They've come up with many reasons why they shouldn't. Reasons such as, I, I don't think I can hold out. Or I don't have all the answers. Or I haven't figured it all out. Father, whatever statement or question they have in their mind, Father, will you remove it right now? Let them just see the treasure. Eternal life. And joy and peace. And forgiveness. For some, Father, they are believers. 
but they know in their heart they are not living for the kingdom of God. They don't have that power, that supernatural power that you have promised us. They don't have that peace that you've told us we will have. They don't not even living in the joy that you've given to us. Father, right now, privately, let them seek the kingdom of God daily. So, Father, we ask you to speak to us today in a very personal way. Father, for those here, those who are online, no more excuses. No more debate. Let them find the treasure. The treasure of your son, Jesus Christ, who 2,000 years ago gave his life up for us so that we could spend eternity with you. And we didn't deserve it. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.